Support for tonight's Amazing Race recap comes from Progressive Insurance. Fun fact, Progressive customers qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up for Progressive Auto Insurance. Discounts for things like enrolling in automatic payments, insuring more than one car, going paperless, and of course, being a safe driver. Plus, customers who bundle their auto with home or add renter's insurance save an average of 12% on their auto. There are so many ways to save when you switch. And once you're a customer with Progressive, you get unmatched claim service with 24-7 support online or by phone. It's no wonder why more than 20 million drivers trust Progressive and why they've recently climbed to the third largest auto insurer in the country. Get a quote online at Progressive.com in as little as five minutes and see how much you could be saving auto insurance from progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates home and renters insurance not available in all states provided and serviced by affiliated and third-party insurers discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob has a podcast. And now here's a guy who won't sleep tonight. Thank you, French carnival clown. I am Rob Sesternino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're live after an amazing race episode. I feel like that this is probably the first time in at least four years, maybe five, that we've been live after an episode of the amazing race. So when people say uh, like uh, 2020, uh, not so great point to this as one of the things that we could look back on as we uh, talk about the fifth episode of The Amazing Race. We are very sad to see Michelle and Victoria have a complete collapse meltdown on this leg of the race and somehow Kaylin and Haley advance. We'll talk about it all here tonight as we are live with our panel here tonight. Of course, our chief Amazing Race correspondent is back with us. The great Jessica Lee. Just how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. I'm really excited to talk about all the action that went down in the tent. Find out who won Star Baker, who got the Hollywood <laughs> handshake. Yes, the great French bake-off tonight on The Amazing Race. I mean, real talk, that's the only reason I already knew what Chantilly Cream was. Okay. All right. Well, you can explain it to myself and this man who I'm podcasting with for the fourth day in a row. Give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. I am so excited, Rob. This is going to be a uh, I mean, it's going to be. A, I'm so sorry. I'm stalling out on my introduction. I should have put this thing in third. It's been first for the entire time. Let me just yes. shift and I'll be able you to move from over there. and we'll just go past you and do the rest of the right, show. But Rob, you can show empathy. OK, don't be so rude about it in your green tights while you do it. Little Robin Hood. Look, we don't forget, okay? We move on. We don't forget. All right. Uh, very excited to have you here with us. I put out a link on Twitter at Rob Sisterino is my uh, Twitter handle for the people, the the fools that are not following me yet. <laughs> you can go ahead and uh, reply and ask your questions uh, live here on the show. And this is just one of two amazing race conversations we will have with this panel as we will be back this weekend for the podcast hit the top. Tar pits sweeping amazing race nation as uh, we are going to include our interview with Michelle and Victoria. Uh, Jess and I will uh, speak to them sometime between now and then, and you will hear it in that episode. And be sure to check out Mike Bloom's conversation with Michelle and Victoria up on parade.com. 
I don't. I do not know how it is going to translate to the written word, but I am so so excited. We'll see how many "I love yous" we get out of the conversation as well, since apparently that is now their new hot phrase. <laughs> I love you. Well, yeah, but they actually did a little bit of like a speaking of the Star Wars brain steel that we did last week. Rob, did you hear the the sort of uh, Empire Strikes Back motif we got at the end, where I think Michelle said "I love you" and Victoria said "I know." Mm, yes okay uh you know i was a, li- a little bit uh like uh like all right end of the episode okay i checked out for a second there at the end but i thought it was a really fun episode tonight jess yeah i i don't blame you rob for checking out a little bit at the end because you were so like stricken with grief over the loss of michelle and victoria i know i i do love michelle and victoria and i really I just, mike i couldn't believe it that uh, we, we lost them i thought that i was not even mentally prepared that they were going to go out i feel like that we had like two hours to prepare for Kaylin and Haley going home. And then it was, it was like me at the mat. And it's like, uh, guess what, Rob? Uh, yeah, that it's uh, a surprise for you. Like, wait, what's that? They're eliminated. What? I, I cannot think in recent memory of a bigger collapse in Amazing Race. It actually makes me really think back to Amazing Race season four uh, with the infamous uh, John and Kelly, Chuck and Millie elimination, where it was actually a similar situation where John and Kelly were a team that just had a disastrous day. They were behind the entire time. They went for a fast forward that was already taken. And somehow this one team was able to just screw up enough for this one team to be able to sneak in at the last second, pass them on the very last task and check in second to last. And it's a very similar situation that happened here. You know, I think the entire time a lot of us had our sort of like editing eye roll uh, emojis ready for like, okay, they're saying that, you know, Kaylin and Haley might catch up, but there's no way they're going to catch up. They keep saying they've never seen another team. And I think it maybe it took to that lower third Chiron of saying that Michelle and Victoria were in the car for six and a half hours to really have the reality set in of, oh, my God, this might actually happen. And the fact that we got the build up to the entrance of the roadblock, the same way that we usually get a check in at the pit stop of like the, oh, we don't know who it is. And then it's Kaylin and Haley is all you need to see. This was a comeback in every sense of the word. Yeah. Mike, do you remember the I think it was like season 13 or season 14. I think they were in Cambodia and there was a team that they edited action shots of them doing the tasks into the mix of everybody else doing the tasks. And then it turned out that that team was a full 24 hours behind the other team. Yeah, yeah, I remember something like that. And I was wondering, I was thinking about that, too, as to like with the Kalen and Haley stuff, because, again, I was sort of on autopilot cruise control, if you will. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they're on making less. I wonder if they they made it more competitive by throwing some shots in there. Little did we know it was surprisingly more competitive than we would have thought. So a lot of great editing stuff this episode. It was not needed. Yeah, Jess, I think there's the frustrating thing as a Michelle and Victoria fan here is that it wasn't even like a task that they did wrong. They just couldn't find a place. Yeah, that is maybe the most upsetting thing is when a team goes out and you can literally point to the one thing they did wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that is I find that personally much more frustrating than when it's just a whole bunch of little things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we don't have to go on our exit interview tomorrow and be like michelle victoria what happened we know what happened we saw it happen so yeah and, yeah. and even more frustrating like this is not a kelly and levon situation where you can fault it on a poor chargerless taxi driver one of the th- reasons why amazing race fans love self-driving legs is because it is entirely in your hands 
quite literally, you are the navigator, you are the driver, whatever turn you make is your own doing. And so it makes it dig in even harder that you can't really foist blame onto uh, whatever. I forget the name of the uh, the poor taxi driver from Kelly and Levon that they name checked in their exit interview. This was entirely Michelle and Victoria's fault. Now, look, I do not want to split up the sisters Newland, but was this Michelle's fault or was this Victoria's fault? Well, I don't think either of them knew where to go. If one knew, it wasn't like that they couldn't drive the car. It was, that I think, the two of them together that didn't know where to go. It wasn't like that, you know, uh, it was, you know, a case of like Victoria was like, no, get off there. I'm telling you. And, and Michelle was like missing the exit. It certainly didn't seem that way. It seemed like they were both equally culpable. And it also seemed like they were pretty close to where they needed to be. Yeah, that that, that poor map. (laughs) The map was working overtime. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about this leg here tonight uh, in Paris, France. Uh, Jess, were you a fan of tonight's route? Honestly, this is maybe the most fun individual set of tasks that I have Ooh. seen on the Amazing Ra- Race in a long time. Like, I that? want to Good do job, Amazing Race. Yeah, I want to do all of these things. I don't know if it necessarily made for the most competitive television. And honestly, like, we'll get into it. I thought that the sort of the actual competitive elements were a little eh. But man, I want to go to the 18th century painting costume party and I want to go whip some cream and get pies thrown at me. And I sure as hell want to go to that arcade and just hang out there for the duration of a vacation. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mike, uh, same for you. Yeah, I mean, I think this was, to Jess's point, I think this ended up being one of those unfortunate legs where everything was kind of stratified. Like, we saw a little bit of catch-up, obviously, with uh, the self-driving allowing, for example, Hung and Chi to jump from the back of the pack in that second flight all the way up to second place, and almost sort of vice versa with Michelle and Victoria. But I think, like, it was definitely one of those things where once the Volley Bros got out in front, there really was no looking back. It was a horse race and not one that you roll a ball into a hole to to advance the horses forward. Uh, it really did seem like everyone sort of stayed in their lanes for for a good part of it, saved those couple of place changes. But the tasks themselves seemed, you know, some of them seemed incredibly difficult that we'll get to. Some, all of them just seemed very fun, culturally connected. Like, it was a goofy-ass leg, but I'm here for goofiness on The Amazing Race. Okay. All right. The teams uh, would head to Paris. Uh, two different flights. Second flight was only 15 minutes behind. That is Jessica Lee's approved, correct? Yes. If we're going to have two flights, we can't make them like we can't make them so far apart that the team in the the teams in the back can't get caught up to the teams in the front. Okay, so we had some uh, excitement getting out of the parking lot at the airport when a uh, Jessica Lee staple, one of the maybe number one on the JR rules, learned to drive a stick shift before you head to the amazing race. Uh, We saw that Will and James were struggling uh, quite a bit. Will in the driver's seat and he had the actually like the great fortune to be at the front of the pack other than Riley and Madison when just we saw a traffic jam developing. Yeah, I would say that Will and James not being able to drive stick at this juncture is practically a five hole because Mm -hmm. they are such avowed fans of the show. In fact, to the point where I saw the preview of this, I immediately slid into James's DMs. I'm like, dude, what the hell? How come how come you guys how come you guys 
practiced balancing bottles on your heads in case you went to Paraguay, but you didn't drive stick. And he points out that, and you know, the racers do, I think I've seen every racer sort of struggling with this public perception versus what actually happened. He points out they were exhausted and it was something that Will was actually very good at driving stick, but he just kind of something in his brain didn't switch on the right way and he just couldn't get it into gear right away. So it was like, it was not that he didn't know how to drive stick. It was that he was not doing the thing that he knew how to yes, do. And, and, we, and, we, and we heard gear. as much. They literally said on yeah. this episode, they said, oh, we practiced it stick before this. Because I agree. When we saw yeah. the next time on, I'm like, all right, here it comes. Why did you practice balancing bottles on your head? <laughs> exactly. Stick exactly. And then I, then, but then when you actually have a talking head of them saying like, oh, I practiced stick shift. You're like, of course, yes. Now it makes sense they would practice stick shift before the race. It was just extenuating circumstances. And I think it also shows practice does may not carry over to the race proper so you can prepare as much as you can but you know when push comes to shove or when stick comes to shift uh things might turn out completely different yeah is it is it eisenhower that said that uh plans plans are plans are useless but planning is indispensable Yes, is, is that yes, one? It of, was. Is, is this one of the I mean, games? I'm not, I'm not, are, we, are we jumping into I'm the tar pits right now? Eisenhower, we're not quote? on the tar pit, Mike. That was an, that was a rhetorical question. Well, I know that Eisenhower yeah. was uh, responsible for the interstate system, so I think he would be totally fine with driving stick shift around everywhere, assumingly so. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was also another president that said, uh, "Speak softly, but carry a big stick shift." That's true. Yes. All right. So, Jess, I thought this was a very uh, interesting uh, confrontation that we ended up having on the show because, okay, so Will is stuck. Teams are behind him. Uh, People are honking their horn. They want to get out of the parking garage. Leo comes up and says, hey, let me just move your car. Interestingly, uh, you know, there's no love lost here on the race between uh, Will and James and Leo and Alana here at the time of filming the season. And that I was surprised that I feel like if you're Will and James, can you say to Leo, "Mm, no, I don't want you to just move our car. They really have no power here. It's funny. They have to take whatever Leo is willing to give them. Why? because otherwise they're just gonna they're, everybody's gonna sit there like they're, isn't that they're what blocking, you want blocking the only egress i think what everybody wants is to get there mm-hmm. because there might be another way out of that garage that you can go out if you get there 15 minutes later for instance yeah. and all of a sudden all of the teams in the back of the pack have passed you so he has to get moving somehow and everybody else has to also get moving so you pretty much I think there's not much else Leo could have done for them. And there's not much else that I I don't think, you know, I think there's really only one move here Mm -hmm. and that is to get their car out of the way. So everybody else can go by and that's helping. That's helping Will and James because they're not, you know, they're not stuck in the middle of the road feeling anxious and it helps mm-hmm. everybody else because they get out behind him. There might be like Leo might have looked at their car and in case there's something wrong with the car, as I think Will was sort of thinking at the beginning, but he also demonstrated for them. I think that was also helpful in its way. He's demonstrating for them. There's nothing wrong with your car. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo is so damn shady. 
And I He's love very it. Shady. Yeah. He is very like shady. Alana seems to be the person that is like totally fine and over build a bridge, let's get over it. But but Leo is standing there like with a match lit, being like, <laughs> God, this bridge looks so good. Ah, oh, this bridge looks so burnable right now. Like he's calling Will and James incompetent. He's calling them losers. He compares them to poop, saying they clogged the plumbing uh, in the parking garage. Then there's that incredible moment. Yeah, yeah. one of those things that, as a cameraman, like you're like, thank God I captured this. Where Leo is shit talking Will and James, and Will and James walk in simultaneously to the roadblock. It is just it's poetry in motion. So much so that Alana probably has a master. In it. So <laughs> yeah. here's an editing question then. Sure. Do we think that this is pointing to some kind of epic downfall for Leo and Alana because they are always being shown as being kind of the villains here? Hmm. See, it's interesting because, like, I, I don't know if you look at social media like two weeks ago, you could argue that Will and James were the villains. So I, I do wonder from that perspective, are the audience is the are the editors trying to paint a villain in any way? Who's going up in that gallery as our bad guys this season? Yeah, I kind of feel like that I'm of the mind on these uh, reality shows. I feel like if you have good content give it to us like don't if you, if you have a great moment like uh leo talking crap about will and james and they walk in the room no matter whether you're the villain or not like put that in the episode like don't leave gold on the cutting room floor well of course i'm not saying i'm not advocating for leaving that out because it was the greatest moment mm -hmm. of the entire episode and arguably the entire season so far but there are also just like little moments where you know Will and James are talking just as much shade, but we get a lot more of Leo kind of criminal masterminding things. Oh, called Spencer Reed. Of, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 at what point do we have to start billing this podcast as a Criminal Minds podcast? Just want to know in case we're getting any merch. Should we, wait, should we get Alana a sweater that says future Mrs. Uh, Leo, Leo Folsom? <laughs> Or I guess current Mrs. Leo Folsom. <laughs> They're already married, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for people who might only just be joining us live or on the roof. Yeah, what is wrong recaps, with you? Those we had a game on the Tar Pits this past week where we took a look at some of the holiday offerings in the CBS.com store, which includes many holiday criminal minds gifts, of course, that, you know, the two, two things go hand in hand, the holidays and, of course, the... Uh, <laughs> serial killing spree of the criminal uh, <laughs> minds. And look, this is actually a holiday-based episode as well. The snow was falling uh, in Paris, yeah. which I thought was very romantic, but also possibly dangerous, especially for those that had trouble shifting gears in their cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, have we ever seen car accidents on The Amazing Race? I oh, mean, yeah. there was a there was a big ass season one in seven. season seven. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. in quite the opposite way, where someone flipped their car. We've oh my god! Couple, yeah, we've seen a couple of times when teammates have like uh, like gotten into fender benders with other cars, or like taxi drivers have gotten into fender benders. Uh, but we haven't seen, I think, at least not in a very long time, a visible accident that mm -hmm. someone ha has gotten into. Yeah, there okay. was yeah t season twenty nine. There was a minor fender bender. I think it was the leg before the troll leg. <laughs> All right. Uh, who has an eye for art? Uh, teams are going to go to the museum, and then uh, there is a costume party, and then there are paintings. Match up the people at the costume party with the paintings. Uh, let me just ask a question. Just were the people once they, they were matched, did they return to the party? Uh, the people, the, the, the party goers who were paintings? 
I couldn't tell if they did or not. I kind of assumed they did because it seemed like there was never a the the number of people in the room never seemed to go down. Yeah, but I feel like that we did not see a lot of multiple matches, Mike. I mean, maybe not on screen. Maybe they did bring over like the Jesus looking guy and was like, I am sorry, he has already been taken. And then you have to go back into the, the party. This seemed, in my opinion, extraordinarily difficult. And it was it was because like like in Amazing Race Canada, I feel like they had these similar types of tasks. But usually like, you know, you're only given nine options to choose between. There were only nine people within that party that matched. But you didn't know that there was an entire <laughs> room full of paintings. And so I don't blame someone like Aparna who did a dozen plus guesses because you're going painting by painting and you're like, OK, maybe this figure is going to be in the party. I'm not entirely sure. And so it really was like almost a winnowing down of you have to pick the right painting from the gallery. And then from there, you have to pick the right person from that painting. Yeah, it was there were two levels to it, Mike, because I I thought at first it was kind of like the thing we saw last season where they were in the nightclub and everybody had the silent, the silent Mm, disco mm -hmm. thing. And you had to find somebody that was dancing to the right beat. And that was just basically you could just start bringing people up and eventually you'd hit somebody without even having to worry about the rhythm or anything. And this was not only you couldn't just like blindly bring people because you had to know which painting it was, too. And that does make it a lot harder. But I think I saw a couple of people find a good hack for it. Yeah, the um, hung hack. Yeah, the hung hack. I thought that this was this was pretty great. You just find somebody that looks kind of epic and then try to find them in the gallery rather than finding a person in the gallery and then finding the real person that matched them. Yeah, I thought there were some other good hacks. I think it was Riley who uh, said, I'm going to find somebody who has like a specific color and then try to match them up. There was a lot of like drab uh, dress in the costume party. I mean, essentially, you want to use the guess who strategy, right? You want to like pick out very specific things like facial hair or colors. Or I think Alana picked out a ring. And granted, again, what makes this difficult is that those people might not be in the party. But at least you're looking for that like, let me look at generic 18th century white man number 45 and see if he matches up with this painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think at one point, uh, was it Riley was trying to find somebody that had a baby? as like, uh, oh, yeah. So, so, so I'm looking for both either one of them. And it's like, well, one of them is a child. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like there's any babies at this party. Oh, God. And God help me if it's adult babies wandering around at this party. I might take the, I'll take the four hour penalty. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. Bloom. Okay. I, yes. the one I really loved, uh, I loved Haley walking through and finding a guy with a huge hat and just kind of looking him up and down and being like well he's extremely extra mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, was gifable it was yeah. great and i love the montage of aparna's various guesses where she's like also now it's almost comparable to her like walking through a bar and picking out people by being like too rich too complicated like now she's <laughs> trying to find someone to take home instead of to the actual uh courier at the museum yeah we had some people who were able to fly uh, through this and some people who uh, really were having uh, some trouble. Uh, Mike, who do you think struggled the most? Was it Aparna? I mean, Aparna definitely was. She was the one that we saw by far. I mean, we saw some people assumingly get it in one guess. Aparna got it in, um, for my count, at least like 15 or 16 guesses. And, you know, there was a lot of really actually fun editing moments in this episode. And one of them was in the, uh, you know, the, the initial talk in the episode. Iswar says... 
you know, I, I came in here thinking the race could accentuate my strengths. And I realized that it's really just highlighting my weaknesses. And then a part of deadpans, I don't have any weaknesses. Ooh. <laughs> Evidently she might. And it's, it's this art roadblock because yeah, by far she was the one to definitely struggle the most. I think the only person we saw do other multiple guesses was maybe James who did it in two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jess, uh, we saw Gary and D'Angelo show up and this was really <laughs> Gary's task to shine that uh, he shows up at the art gallery and who knew this was going to be a challenge that was going to be uh, right up his alley. Certainly D'Angelo wasn't buying it. I can't wait to do this challenge because I love art. So like I studied detail art. I've been to the Louvre. I've been to multiple different places in the world with art. I just I have a bunch of art in my house. I just love that type of stuff. You don't really strike, you don't really strike me as a renaissance. Yeah, I, I love artwork. Though. Love artwork. I just, I just, I've known you forever, Gary. And I've never known. Who are you? You're like 60, like a caveman. But you like art. I do. RIP, Gary. To be fair, D'Angelo, cavemen did have art on their cave walls. So don't go, you know, striking down cavemen as uncivilized people. I was unaware that there was a height limit for who can appreciate art. Is it like the reverse of the roller coaster at Six Flags? Yeah, you must be this short to enjoy the art. Yeah, but he's been to multiple places in the world that have art, including mm-hmm. the Lou. <laughs> yes, his art in his home. I don't know about uh, JJ. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tough to describe from an audio perspective, but they cut to not like it's it's always a two shot, right? Of the two team members standing side by side. They cut to a close in specifically on D'Angelo Williams, just b- like bewildered reaction to this. And that needs to be gifable as well as the as the as the Aparna or as the uh, as the Haley stuff from the art museum, because he is just beside himself. If I've known this man, I have played football with this man for so long. I had no idea that he was an artist connoisseur gary barnage mm-hmm. well if gary they barnage. ever if they ever do a um if they ever do another one of the memes on the amazing race social media that's which racer are you i fully expect one of them to be d'angelo's face mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that uh most moments except on a football field i, I am d'angelo williams very uh cranky hate everything yeah i mean who would have not happy they went from atf to art this leg <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great clip. It's very funny that um we are we're calling out D'Angelo Williams as being one of the greatest amazing race contestants of all time just because he's so grumpy cat about everything and he just sort of abuses his teammate. But I, I submit that you need an and Gary in order for D'Angelo to shine. Like we always mm-hmm. kind of say like one of the, one of the racers is kind of the standout personality and one of them is a dud, but I feel like the two of them together are the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Well, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think in this case, D'Angelo got to be sort of the straight man to Gary's crazy man of like, here was this seemingly mild mannered guy who granted he can't steal drum, but he seems pretty normal regardless. And he's like, I actually uh, uh, have an enjoyment of fine art. And <laughs> D'Angelo Williams, I think, has the appropriate action. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. Just uh, Gary and D'Angelo are bringing big time uh, Ren and Stimpy energy to the amazing race. <laughs> <Gary>, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yep i i'm here for that well honestly i don't know they get the taller one who's kind of low-key and the shorter one who's like who's very excited about everything all the time what about like mm-hmm. that, what about like two stupid dogs if you've ever seen that show <laughs> i have not mike <laughs> yeah again belying the fact that you're a little bit younger than we are 
Mm, okay. All right. Uh, anything else we want to say about the paintings challenge? I mean, I do wonder what sort of the casting call was, right? Like, <laughs> what, did, did they put on like spirit gum, fake beards and mustaches for some of these people? Or did they really call the type of like, you do look like the person from this Giotto painting. We're going to have to dress you up and get you in here with this four cornered hat. They didn't think they all recruited look like people? the guys. Yeah, they didn't all look like the guys in the painting, though. They just were wearing the clothes of the guys in the painting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Sometimes the racers went for people that had like really like misshapen heads. Like it was kind of insulting when they said like, oh, you're that painting. Like, no, yeah, I'm not. James's first one where it was like this older Marie Antoinette looking woman. And he brings a significantly younger woman to this, to the, to the poor person. It's like, yeah, this is, this is actually kind of insulting to this, to this uh, figure who just happened to be enjoying her time at the party. Okay. Well, this could um, all be people that do like the tableau vivant, like in the Arrested Development episode. Mm. Maybe they're into this as a hobby. I was going right. to say, had had things not gotten so uh, spread out, I do wonder if those actors could have taken revenge by being the people in the tent to throw pies at these amazing racers for getting their appearances wrong. Uh, let's shift to go to our pie making challenge. Uh, Jess, what would you make of the whip cream until uh, you lose all of the feeling in your arms? That is not an easy thing to do. And they had to make a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Trust me, like this is something you really want an electric mixer for. Yeah, you would think so. You would think that uh, especially like, is there any benefit to doing it by hand? When was it Riley or Madison? They asked the guy like, uh, how many how many pies do you make a day? And he's like, uh, 13 or 14. Yeah. Uh, The lay cake boss guy. He's the Duff Goldman of the, of Chantilly was like, Oh, how are you still in business, sir? He just has really jacked arms that were hidden underneath his, his chef's coat. And like, is that all he does all day? Is that his job is just like the cream guy and somebody else puts other stuff in the pies. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's some. It's it's maybe it's actually the opposite. Where like you know, a lot of chefs talk about when they start in kitchens, they like have to peel potatoes or do like all the mise en place and not even get involved with making the food proper. Maybe there is some sort of like quite literally a whipping boy who just is like a young <laughs> young French loaf, just sort of like standing there whipping cream for the entire French time. Loaf. And, his, and his and his arms are this size of your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the right. guy that was working there, he seemed like he was much older. He's like, no, I just supervised that guy. We'll be right back with more of tonight's amazing race recap, talking about the next part of the leg where we went to the whipped cream factory. But when you need to whip up dinner without having to go to the store, check out tonight's sponsor. That is HelloFresh. HelloFresh offers convenient no-contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family or for yourself. The recipes are easy to follow with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Uh, We've seen how stressful trips to the market can be all the time on The Amazing Race. You can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. Uh, that That means that you could make, I'm trying to do the math, 13 meals in the time that it would take Michelle and Victoria to get to the pit stop. It's great value. Save 40% when you use HelloFresh versus shopping at the grocery store as well. Feeding the whole family has never been easier. With lower prices and larger box sizes, more servings means more savings. HelloFresh is great because they deliver fresh, high-quality pre-portioned ingredients so you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious. Over 90% of the ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness. HelloFresh 
offers more than 20 chef-crafted delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut, try new things, and make any night feel special. There's something everyone will enjoy, including 20-minute meals, low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes, and more. And it's flexible for your lifestyle because you can easily change your delivery days or meal plan preferences. Skip a week whenever you want right in the app. Keep your fridge stocked by adding extra meals, proteins, quick meals like breakfast or on-the-go meals like convenient lunches or even desserts to satisfy the sweet tooth. I've been cooking a lot of HelloFresh. I got to try it out. I cooked for Nicole and I a sweet soy pork tenderloin. It was delicious. Nicole was so impressed with the Southwestern shrimp tacos that I whipped up for her. She's like, this is great. We should have to, we should have tacos more. I said, Nicole, don't, don't thank me. Thank HelloFresh. Don't give, don't give me any of the credit. No, I just I, I totally told her that it was all me. And another thing I love about HelloFresh is that when you open the box, everything is in its own bag. Because sometimes if you uh, get some of these meal kits, everything is just loose. You keep it in the refrigerator. I'm making the Southwestern shrimp tacos tonight and pulling that paper bag out. If I'm making my chicken fajitas i'm pulling that bag out so it's very convenient doesn't take up a ton of room in your refrigerator so check out this great offer for we have our listeners go to hellofresh.com slash rhap90 use the code rhap90 to get 90 dollars off including free shipping 90 dollars off hellofresh.com slash rhap90 use promo code rhap90 to get 90 dollars off including Free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash RHAP90. Now, let's get back to talking about the race. Mike, what would you make of the teams then after they make the whipped cream and then they had to go into the tent to be ambushed by pies? This was so damn goofy. This was so like, why? Why are they going? Then we're going to hit them with pies. It just <laughs> it doesn't really seem very uh, French. I don't know. I, I haven't seen a lot of French comedy nowadays, but I don't think there have been many pie fights since this <laughs> since the end of uh, Blazing Saddles. Uh, but I mean, it could have been maybe my my theory is that these are like PAs who are now like, again, taking out some catharsis on these teams of like, you made me sweat through sitting, watching your ass stack watermelons for four and a half hours. You better believe I'm pieing you in the face with this stuff. Yeah, I wish it was a watermelon. Yeah. Just, uh, I just feel like that they make such a big deal out of like, uh, okay, you're going to go to the place that makes the best whipped cream in the world. We're going to show you how painstaking it is to make just one bowl of whipped cream. And then we are also going to waste an insane amount of whipped cream. <gasps> Well, if it's the same whipped cream that the racers are making, again, it's the sort of thing like with the cooking test in, in Brazil, you don't want to actually eat that because who knows what's in it and who knows like if yeah. they wash your hands beforehand. Also, Riley and Madison, it, it's called a uh, neck beard net thing. Very unsanitary. It's a good point. And you would think they would know that given that their dad owns a cookie restaurant. Yes. P.S. Yes. What is a cookie restaurant? I mean, listen, hmm. it's like Hawaii. I think just the sort of like the Mahalo attitude does sort of inform the idea of a cookie restaurant. I would not be surprised if there were many pop up cookie restaurants in the Hawaiian islands. 
Yeah, but yeah. is there a, is, do you just go in and do you like order a main course that is a cookie? Yeah, I mean, or, I, I don't know. I mean, we've uh, you've got we've got some stuff in New York City, right? They're like they're not cookie restaurants, but I feel like there have been like cereal bars and like grilled cheese restaurants. So I feel like that's sort of in the same course of like, what if cookie, but it's a meal? Hmm. Yeah, that, that's fair. They used to have a whole restaurant that was just peanut butter. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, man, awesome. imagine throwing peanut butter in the racer's faces. Oh, nobody mm-hmm. has an allergy. <laughs> I mean, the, the issue did not seem to be the pies. The issue more seemed like the the toques, right? Like the tall yeah. chef's hats. Because like someone like Hung, for instance, uh, basically got blindfolded when her hat fell on her head. She just started walking along like that knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Just, I'll paw your legs off. <laughs> we didn't see this happen in the episode, but do you get the sense if somebody would have dropped their pie, would they have had to go back and re-whip it? Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, I would imagine... Make those pies! D'Angelo. Think- <laughs> <laughs> you broke Jess. You, you broke me. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Maybe they should have worn the the Devo hat on their head. (laughs) Yeah, we just you just upend a pie plate and put it on your head. It's basically a Devo hat. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna say that everybody thought that was the case. I do not not know if that was actually the case, but everybody was extra careful not to drop their pies because they didn't want that to happen. Mm. Oh, but I, what I really didn't like was Riley and Madison Mike, pulling a James Hewling <laughs> BP-17. Why do you have to ruin the blind side? We have I mean, so little in our lives that we want to see unsuspecting people hit with pies. Don't tell everybody. Yeah, it's sort of like being like, uh, just so you know, there's a banana peel on the floor. You better not slip on it. Just I, I want to look Come out. On. For you. I mean, we got we got our drinking ref, game reference in, right? The alliance was mentioned in this episode, as it has been for the past three. Uh, it was probably the most innocuous reference to the alliance, and that the only real uh, sort of like uh, working together happened in Riley Mass and being like, just so you know, there's a barrage of pies in there. But yeah, I mean, definitely ruining the humor filled aspect of it. But again, even though Leo and Alana were not told about it, they walked in and they were cow knowing that a pie was coming somehow well i mean if you just have a pie that's just whipped cream and crust you know that's not a pie for eating because that is boring it's got to be a pie for throwing yeah it's a little bit but of wait, a I, Chekhov's pie when you make a bunch of whipped yes. cream pies and then go behind that curtain yeah there's there's those in that little in that tent. Tent. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, but I want to talk about the, the Alliance talk because they said something that I found very, very curious. Yes. Uh, we have Riley and Madison saying, we have an alliance with the boyfriends. We have an alliance with Chi and Hung. And we also have an alliance with Gary and D'Angelo, but it's not as strong of a thing. It was like we're looking at the Brant Steele alliance breakdowns and they were like, <laughs> uh, Riley and Madison have a have an alliance with the boyfriends and Chi and Hung and it's a number nine strength. And then those four teams have another alliance that's a five strength. Yeah. Was this the cream pie chop challenge? Oh, were Riley and Madison now saying like this is the pecking right? Because it oh. seems like it seems like the, the totem pole from the Volley Bros perspective is number one is Will and James. Number two is Hung and Chi. Number three is Gary and D'Angelo. And Ethor and Aparna nary a mention on their mm. on their on their podium there. So I think, you know, Raleigh and Madison have been team like never use the yield. But if things start breaking apart and we Riley and Madison have the power, I guess we know who they're going after. Yeah. Again, the yield was in this episode as well, Jess, and uh no one was yielded. 
Yeah, well, there was no point. I think everybody just kind of assumed that there are teams you haven't even seen. So they all knew Kalen and Haley weren't at any of the tasks and they had a speed bump. So they're like, yeah, it's not, there's no point. Yeah. We didn't spend too much time on the whipping at the task, but uh, we heard recently uh, Michelle talk about how she's not allowed to use knives. Uh, maybe in this episode, we got another clue as to why. I'm thinking about somebody that hate their face. Stab it. Who do you hate? I think we need like a Michelle flashback episode. I know it's not really an episode of The Amazing Race, but I really just want to hear the story of Michelle Newland because I feel like now we're we're sort of piecing together the clues yeah. as to who she is as a person, specifically in the kitchen. Mike, there's going to be a crossover Criminal Minds episode. Spencer Reed is going to <laughs> yeah, get Matthew all Matthew Reed is going to come in like, all right, we got the old <laughs> whipped cream stabber. She's back mm-hmm. at it again. Yeah. Whisk turns deadly. She's stabbing someone's face. You know, for a show that none of us have ever watched, we sure keep bringing that up. Yeah, I have watched one episode, Jess. Oh, that's right. You did. Jason for... Alexander. Yes. 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 On Renap. My mistake. Yes. I'll ask All right. you when I have questions then. Yes. All right. So let's go and then talk about this uh, horror show, Carnival. <laughs> Mike did not like this very creepy clown that was handing out the tickets. I mean, let's put a comma there because Mike did like it because it was just all sorts of uncanny valley. I love the, the Anderson's Funhouse esque montage of yes. just freakiness between the creepy carousel, between the random guy just blowing bubbles in a corner for nobody in particular. And then, yeah, the so creepy qu- Were they tiny bubbles. They might have been in the air, uh, but there was one. Yeah, the, the quote unquote clown was more so just like a man in whitish makeup standing on stilts, holding a Chinese fan that had the clue in the background. But I will say, I think he was overshadowed here by the can man because the can oh. man can. <laughs> I, I love the can man. Can man is like the best. He's the best task guy since pencil down guy. He's just so like he's simultaneously Who can take a roadblock. <laughs> Give you lots of balls. <laughs> Very musical this episode. I, mean, I, I love his energy was both infectious but also patronizing. Like I believe he said at one point, like I've never seen that before. <laughs> yes. Also, he was like very generous. They that I thought the the object was knock the cans over, and as long as you hit the last can, it's like winner. You did it. Yeah, Amazing. Like, yeah, I, I can't think, believe it. Because Madison, like yeah, he touched all ten cans. Not Doctor Warrior says close enough. You get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I want that kind of positivity in my life. Can Can Man just like follow me around and it's like, well, you built that web page. It was great. That's the best podcast you've ever done. It's amazing. Yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he <laughs> can. can man. <laughs> he is the Can Man. <laughs> he makes you feel like you can. Yes. It's good. But I think this is clearly a guy who is like very, you know, given the sort of boring job of man, this fake carnival game, because I can imagine like I don't think the museum is usually an active carnival. Uh, at least I would not imagine so. So it's oh, please, to- could it be, though? I, you're wrecking the illusion, Mike. I want it to be a real thing. 
I mean, I would hope so because those games looked really fun, even in a non-competitive environment. Right. Yeah. Uh, but imagine like being this probably this museum worker who's like now at stand behind it, and like I give him all the kudos because like he made a day out of it, as yeah. opposed to like horse race guy and uh, clown ball mouth man <laughs> who uh, are we're just sort of like all right, number First two is the winner. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could rent it out for corporate functions. Yeah, I went to a place when I was a kid that was like kind the games of like also this. work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the games are all functional. I went to a place that was like all of these old um, mechanical things that you could put a coin into and they would they would do they would do whatever they did and they all still worked and you could still put coins in them or play the game or whatever. And it is a lot of fun. And I think vintage arcades, really vintage arcades. I think we need more of them. Yeah. Mike, what do you think about Phil demonstrating all the games? Yeah, Phil, like, like a natural. Who's he thinking of? John Montgomery. I was going to say, taking a page out of, out of Monty's book by being like, I'm going to throw this. I will notice he did not knock down all 10 cans, but I think Can Man would still Close call enough. that a success. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, you got it. But I, yeah, I, I loved Phil, Phil showing that off. I don't know. For some reason, the one that I was really drawn to was the horse racing one, maybe because it was the most drawn out, but also because like that was definitely one of my more frequented games uh, of course you know Standing when i horse race yeah exactly where you uh, slip garnets into those little <laughs> holes and sangman takes them and and you know cheats makes the horses move along but i remember like on the boardwalk it would be like it wouldn't be horses they would like tie stuff animals to poles and use them as sort of the horses to move along but that's when i definitely remember playing a lot mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i i need to talk about my favorite moment from the episode please um which was Chi discovering that he had won the horse race and he stands up. And he's like, Oh, I guess I won. That's fantastic. And it's like, you know, Chi is usually at about a two and he was at about a six. And like for Chi, that's, that's like, you know, yeah. that's like price is right level excitement. Yeah. Mike, who knew Chi was like such a ringer at all these carnival games. I love this idea of Chi just being sort of like, I don't know, this prodigy in everything, almost accidentally so. Uh, like, as Alana says, Hung and Chi are sort of covered in mer- and magic and fairy dust, and Chi's confessional of like, I just played a lot of tennis when I was a kid. I never <laughs> frequented the carnival. Guess uh, there's nothing I can do wrong. It's perfect. Now that Michelle is gone, I think she is my favorite racer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are fun, Hung and Chi. Uh, yeah, Chi was just a, a dynamo at the carnival. Really, nobody seemed to struggle that much. Just they tried to like uh, fake us out that Madison was going to have a lot of problems uh, with uh, completing his tasks. Yeah, because he failed one time at one of the things, and then he yeah. went and did the other things successfully. I think mm-hmm. I think it's more so that his brother was talking crap about him, and we got a little bit more. I my sort of mnemonic device now for the Volley Bros is that I say Riley is smiley, in that Riley <laughs> is the brother who smiles more and has like the more visible teeth, as opposed to Madison, whose beard sort of goes down over his mouth. Yeah, um, but Riley is, is the dark guy, right? He was the one that was sort of rolling his eyes the entire time uh, when he was at the ball throwing because he's. Like, damn it, Madison, you missed on your first try. This isn't going to go well with Cookie Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to eat the oatmeal raisin tonight. You stink at carnival games. <laughs> exactly exactly but a little bit more of a pop from them obviously this was a big episode from them also probably one of the most dominating performances we have seen so far i think just the leg structure had them blazing out to a lead since the parking garage that they never let go of i don't think they even like saw other teams for the rest of the leg it was that dominant 
It's true. Yeah. And it kind of sucked all of the fun and suspense out of the first half of the, out of the top level of the leg. Because when you see a team like that, and you know, we all three saw them at the beginning and thought, these guys are going to win. They're, you know, they're kind of the archetypal team that wins the amazing race. And yeah. so far this season, they hadn't been winning legs. And to watch them finally win a leg, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that was a thing that was going to happen. Good for them. And mm-hmm. it kind of, kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the out of the leg until we got to the you know the amazing ending of it yeah uh they went a trip to vietnam yep and to the spa mm-hmm. into the spa um <laughs> phil kogan saying spa is the best thing in the world <laughs> we had a speed bump in this episode also uh jess uh what'd you make of the speed bump for kaylin and Haley? yeah it was a speed bump it was fine it was yeah, yeah. And watch some watch some horse stuff. Yeah, Mike, I don't even know what they were doing. It was yeah, just like uh, shine gonna, some saddles. I was like, watch the horse duty off the saddle and the stirrups. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, this is definitely one of those speed bumps where it's less so like skill based and more so, hey, this is this is almost like a yield. This is going to be just a, a thing that delays you twenty minutes. So it was more of a formality for them to get through. But you know, they got to hang out at like that very palatial estate at the Chantilly. So, uh, and I do feel bad because as they talked about. Assuming how long they were lost for, that poor horse probably was waiting out in the cold for quite some time <laughs> by the time they got there. Yeah. Okay. A lot of horse well, imagery in this episode. I suspect they probably let the horse go into the stable and production just kind of waited and they're like, oh, okay, now they're pulling up. Get the horse out there. Set up the speed bump. Did they let the horse into the party to warm up? I think if they had a horse in the party, that would be a really easy one to identify during the road. <laughs> this is, is, it the, is it the horse? <laughs> the horse in the painting? Yeah. <laughs> Winner! Yeah. <laughs> Close enough! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, I guess let's talk about Michelle and Victoria because, uh, just when did you suspect something was off for Michelle and Victoria? It was honestly, it was pretty late in the episode. I think I was still kind of like, yeah, this is like, you know, C minus amazing race. You got the volley bros winning mm-hmm. the leg. You got Kaylin and Haley so far out of it. Of course, they're going to be last. And it honestly, you would think that I've seen upwards of the 50 seasons of this show at this point. I would have a better sense of when I was being faked out, but I did not. It was really at the point where they showed the map. I started to suspect something was not right because they'd never show the map when somebody is lost. Yeah. Then I really, I didn't really want to think it was true either. Like I was very invested in that not being the outcome just because they've brought us so much enjoyment that when it, I didn't really, didn't really sink in until it showed how long they'd been driving. I was like, Oh, Oh, it's this. Okay. Yeah. Mike, we talked last week about how this was originally going to be a two-hour episode on last week's episode, and then uh, we got the personal story bump about mm-hmm. Kaylin and Haley at the end of the first hour of what would have been last week's episode. And I felt like, oh, okay, well, you know that that, that probably that makes sense that they're talking, giving us more personal information about them. And then ultimately, they were so far behind; it was just a foregone conclusion. They were just going to be eliminated at the end of this like and i feel like that michelle victoria didn't even really get 
a lot of screen time in this episode. They got a little bit in the beginning. They got their own little personal story, but but it was sort of repeating a story we heard in the very first episode, right? Of like, oh, we're not really close. You know, this is a way to work on our relationship. They foreshadow their own stuff with being like, you know, we're 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 such opposites. You know, uh, Michelle's the talker and I'm the navigator, uh, and so evidently, you know, it was that was going to end up being the situation. I think to your point on the paper, you would think that last week's two hour episode would have been sort of like the fall of Kaylin and Haley, just a long two hour bleeding out, but it more so turned out to be like the fall and rise of Kaylin and Haley, almost like an inspirational sports movie. where like, they're down and out, but they end up winning that game by one run at the very last second to take the pennant. Uh, I've never like, seen that before. Yeah. And so, it was actually, and so now I think packaging the two episodes together, it actually makes a lot of sense. Cause this was like a very epic ending to the episode. And I can imagine pairing it like a nice fine uh, cream de Chantilly with a nice pie crust. It would have been a very fun two hours to watch together as well. Hmm. I don't know. Just did you feel like that Kaylin and Haley were victorious in this? I mean, I feel like that they even just like uh, were sleepwalking through the leg, like knowing that they were going to be in last place. And then it was only by a miracle. It wasn't like that they overcame any adversity. It was just that Michelle and Victoria were had the like most disastrous finish that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I think to go back to Mike's baseball analogy that he was just making, it's like when a pitcher uh, is pitching in a baseball game, they could get credit for the win or the other pitcher could get credit for the loss. And I Mm -hmm. think I don't think we can say that this was really like Kaylin and Haley are proof positive that if you're really far behind, you have to keep racing because you never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I could say like they seem to do a good job apart from getting lost and being very, very far behind in the beginning. Once they got to the tasks, they made up time. But I don't know that I would say they emerged triumphant from this. They just sort of lived to fight another day. Yeah, yeah, but that but that also I think is victorious. I, I think the name of the game, out, the name of the name of the game of the amazing races don't get eliminated. They did not get eliminated despite being set up for elimination in this episode. I think basically, I call that a win. Basically, another team got eliminated for them, so they did not have to. Listen, Stephen Bradbury has a gold medal for a reason. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teams uh, started to check in at the mat. Uh, we mentioned Riley and Madison were one. Hung and Chi were two. Leo and Alana were three. And then Will and James were team number four. And Phil had some ATF energy for Will and James at the mat. He's been working on a, a line like this for somebody. Will and James are going to get it. Will and James, I'm sorry to tell you that we've had reports from the police department that they want to revoke your licenses because apparently you don't really know how to drive stick shifts. <laughs> it's like Phil had the whole flight to, to France to think about, well, okay, I had that law enforcement line all keyed up and I sort of screwed it up. So I need to pick a different team this time and I'm going to do it again. And this time I'm going to nail it. You got this, Phil. It's going to be yeah. great. And I think Will and James are definitely a more welcoming audience than D'Angelo, who is by far like the worst person to take to a comedy club. I think Will and James were like lapping it up like some some cream, whereas like I think if 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 Phil Steven pulled off this line from D'Angelo, he'd be like, that still isn't funny. It's not funny, Phil. It's not funny. You know what's funny? Gary loves art. That's (laughs) hilarious. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I now I want to imagine that Phil has now like a police line for every single Amazing Race team to use just in case they like screw something up. Like, oh, you did this. This is a breaking of the law because you screwed up this task so much. Yeah, Michelle and Victoria, I heard from the Coast Guard that you were extremely lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. I heard from the fun police that you were having way too much fun this leg. You got to tone it down. <laughs> Um, so uh, we are going to see uh, Iswaran Aparna and Gary and D'Angelo basically tie uh, this leg of the race so they're going to be 5th uh, and 6th and then it was just uh, this like uh, some intrigue over who was going to get to the carnival first not even the mat I, you never see that edit you see that edit with the mat and exactly. it was a curious choice to put it in front of there yeah, who will uh, arrive to the carnival first <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it usually. In fact, I think previous seasons of The Amazing Race would have edited this to show Michelle and Victoria doing the games and Kaylin and Haley doing the games. And like who was actually there first and who's going to roll up to the mat? And they just like, no, we're going to tell this to you chronologically because who are we, Quentin Tarantino? Mm hmm. Yeah, I like that. Maybe then actually they go back in time and it turns out that Michelle and Victoria do come in seventh place because they changed the lineup slightly and that completely sends up a whole multiverse theory. I mean, I like the choice, though, because this is a crash and burn that has not been seen on the same level in, in quite some time. And so I, I like the idea that they embrace that, that it's unconventional because they really had to show as much as we love Michelle and Victoria, how much they they spent a quarter of the day driving around looking for that museum that that just needs to be focused on right now mm -hmm. it's it's pretty amazing i i would thought we were gearing up for a field elimination when they showed mm -hmm. how long they've been driving around and thought is phil just going to be waiting for them at the carnival and they go to get their ticket and it's phil loser yeah well that happened in amazing race australia right oh, just yeah. like some, some one team just got so horrifically lost that like they actually found them on the side of the highway yeah. and eliminated them there yeah, not great. Not, not great, great for Michelle and Victoria. Um, Mike, can Kaylin and Haley, do you feel like that they can uh, ultimately bounce back and avoid elimination in the next leg? Completely. Listen, they're going to be going to Germany. I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of equalizing train or plane for them to get on. That's going to put them all. I, I think the only reason why we had two dividing flights in this episode is because I think a flight from Paraguay to Paris is very rare so i don't mm -hmm. think you can necessarily book eight teams on one particular flight so i think there's going to be a very easy opportunity for them to catch up i think there's yeah. going to be a big surprise reaction to start yeah. the episode as i don't know that. how rare it could be i mean there were two uh, arriving within 15 minutes of each other yeah but, but i guess um and i guess maybe not maybe they're so busy that they had to book yeah. you um but I or think perhaps were there maybe they, they go someplace and then there was a connection of like they both got on different flights yeah, they probably like one of them connected through Heathrow and one of them connected. Yeah. I don't know. Through... So let me go into the Travelocity app. It's so easy to use. You can figure <laughs> out how to fly from. from I, I use that app anyway. It's pretty great. Mm -hmm. But I guess with Kaylin and Haley, I guess what my point is that in last week's leg, how many hours were they behind the pack? Then they got the equalizer of the, they were being on the same flight as all the other teams, 15 minutes behind the other teams didn't have to sit behind Will and James to get out of the parking lot. And also were how many hours behind the pack in back to back legs of the race? Like uh, this trend is heading in the very wrong direction. 
especially if it seems like next week, as the preview shows, at least from Will and James perspective, they are still self-driving. And so Kalen and Haley could run into some trouble. It seemed like Kalen in particular got very aggravated at the car. Maybe it's something she can settle into now, or maybe it is just opening a fresh wound. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think just for the sake of competition, we talked on the tar pits about how, just generally like up and down people are this season and that it really does not seem like there is a horse in this race uh, that is pulling out to a lead particularly. So my hope is that Kalen and Haley can still remain in it. So it doesn't seem like just a three week free fall into an eventual elimination in seventh place. If they Mm -hmm. can slide a few balls into the red slot, they might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen teams like that before. I mean, look at Dan Drew, for instance, speaking of season 13, yep. like there are certainly teams that have sort of bottom fed their way. So all Kaylin and Haley need to do like they did this week is not come in last place. And if they keep doing that enough, they might find themselves in the final three. Okay. This actually raises an interesting question for me, Mike, because this is something I've, we've been getting a little bit of feedback from the listeners about this. Um, and they've been saying, some people are saying, yeah, I don't, these, this, this crop of racers is much worse than a regular crop of racers. And like, they're all screwing up. They're all doing terrible things. And my question to you is, do you really want a, a, a season full of really great racers that are all on top of their game? Or isn't it just as much fun to have it equalized, but have them all be making mistakes? And I submit to you that it doesn't matter whether they're all amazing at it or all terrible at it, because as long as it's competitive, we're getting what we want. Right. I mean, listen, you're you're preaching to the choir. Here. I am the person that does speak up for the train wreck survivor seasons where it just seems like everything goes wrong and so many big you know, masterminds get blindsided in, in the middle of the game. To be honest, I don't really care as long as it's competitive. Like I, I like to be surprised. Uh, you know, I, I like surprises as Phil would present to me. So whether or not the bar is high or the bar is low, I just don't want to walk into an amazing race episode having a feeling who's going to come in first and who's going to come in last and have that outcome happen. Because that to me means, okay, there might have been some fun tasks, but we essentially are sort of like going through the motions here. Okay. We are very fortunate because we are live. We are able to take some questions from our listener. Scott St. Pierre is standing by. We'll bring them up on the screen and be able to answer some of your questions here in real time. But this is just scratching the surface of this amazing race week because we are going to be back with more amazing race questions as part of the tar pit. So email us your questions, amazing race at Rob has a website.com or you can tweet us and we'll also post the thread in the Rob is a podcast patron Facebook group. All right, let's see what you guys have to say and let's check in with the great Tara Renee who says, is a part of face blind like Akiva? They both begin and end with a, that's all I'm saying. Totally possible. Wow. Yes, according to Akiva, famously, uh, that he does not remember anybody's faces if he sees you places. Yeah. So, so it, maybe maybe that was a part of thing. What she did not go forward with it with that information. Maybe that's her sort of like I have no weaknesses thing. But yeah, it could have been a very big possibility that she did not notice the people uh, in the paintings. Or maybe maybe she noticed she didn't notice the people in person, but was fine noticing them in the paintings. Either way, there was a disconnect yeah. there. Are there any other ways that Aparna is like Akiva? Um, I don't. I haven't looked at her <laughs> shoes, so I don't know if she's using Velcro or not. 
All right, we'll see. Uh, see if it's a runner over the course of the season. Okay. Uh, then uh, A. Scott Falk says, uh, since Renaissance man Gary has a height advantage on the art task, uh, being able to see the second row of paintings better. I don't know if he had an advantage in terms of seeing the art, but Jess, do you feel like that Gary had an advantage in terms of getting a lay of the land of the crowd? Yeah, I was thinking mm. maybe not necessarily the paintings, but if you go into the room and you can see across the whole sea of people, if you're looking for somebody with a hat, you can see all the hats. Hmm. Okay. So good on Gary uh, having the, the height advantage, uh, being able to see over the crowd of people. Okay. Uh, Sabine. She wants to know, are the editors being extra shady towards Leo and Alana between the shot of Will and James walking in and the plop sound effects and the commentaries during Leo's carnival games? I feel like they were definitely getting the fish back at it. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I did notice that they took some some stuff from the Big Brother repository when there was that shot of Leo, like completely whipping with the ball. And they went through like the entire Rolodex. They went through like boing and and like whenever Leo was was missing. Yeah. Well, he talked about that he uh i think it was alana talked about like well leo played uh some baseball in middle school and then cut to him doing really bad and they also had like sort of like take me out to the ball game (laughs) underneath it as well yeah so i I think you know not not the best task for leo but actually speaking of steven fishback did you notice that when leo and alana in the beginning were talking about uh previous trips to paris that the last time alana went to gay paris she was 13 and she had a crush on a boy named steven yes and uh, another coincidence in terms of people who are not good at throwing our own frail mary had this tweet tonight said when alana had a crush on steven well no one can say the amazing race no one can say she doesn't have a type exactly (laughs) just don't give them something to throw and that's her mate boy frail mary was live tweeting uh the amazing race uh check that out at frail mary uh good rapid uh ready to go that's uh that gif that that's stephen fishback gif of him raising his eyebrows is how leo reacts to will and james at any point in time (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay uh this is from our own dan heaton how much does gary really like art wouldn't that have come up on the cinnamon and sugar podcast by now I don't know. I mean, Rob, you podcast with people like Akiva and Tyson and Josh and the aforementioned Steven. Don't you find out new information about them even years after this point? Mm, I think I've sort of uh, already uh, dumped out anything that I have to say personally, but I'm sure uh, that there are all sorts of other people that always bring in new information. Uh, I just found out that uh, anytime Akiva hears about a pickle, his mouth waters. Exactly. See, this is the thing is that like that happened to Aparna. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, God help her if she has a pickle roadblock coming up. I'm just going to say it. We've never seen Aparna and Akiva in the same place at the same time. My hmm. God. Yeah. <laughs> this changes everything. But I, I think that, you know, it could just be a thing of like, how much are Gary and D'Angelo discussing art? You know, the subject probably has never come up in their mm-hmm. many, many conversations that they've had together. It's not like you go through the Rolodex of like, okay, well, we've uh, talked about, you know, fine cutlery. I guess now we'll move on to your favorite uh, kung fu film. This will be the next topic in our friendship discussions. There's not a checklist of subjects. You're saying that you don't feel like Gary and D'Angelo have been on a lot of road trips together, Mike? I mean, they're not doing the 50 questions, I don't think. (laughs) 
they're probably they're, talking about football on their podcast and yeah, that like, leads to other places. And it's a long road from football to like the use of light in the Dutch masters. Yeah, they're not, like Sheld- they're not like Sheldon Cooper coming in with a list of icebreakers to use in casual conversations. Do you think that the Cinnamon and Spice podcast is about football? Because I feel like that it's not no, a I, I, pun. Yeah, but they're not going to be like, uh, Gary, uh, oh, I heard you went sugar. to the Met the other day. Why don't you tell us about your adventures there? Oh, the Met is a great place to go. Steve Cohen's got things humming over there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's see. Uh, cinnamon and sugar episode 49. Uh, we're back this week. We discuss how rich Gary is. Oh, he's got plenty of money. <laughs> okay. Maybe he talks about all the fine art he can afford. Yeah, Maybe he's not very rich because he spent all his money on art. Oh, check out episode 48. Uh, this week we talk with pops and Frank from the amazing race. Mm. We end the episode with a little political talk ahead of this week's presidential race. <laughs> No, thank you, please. <laughs> you know, this could be a good tar pit game at some point. Like, has yeah. this been a subject on the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast? Yeah. Uh, episode from October 15th. We're back with more of the dark side of Disney. Whoa. What? <laughs> Why are Daniel and Gary against like conspiracy theories? Yeah, they might be just talking about like the the America Sings ride that killed a cast member. And- mm. Okay. Uh, I might need to hear more D'Angelo. Uh, I, I'm going to... I got to go subscribe to this podcast. I think I'm missing okay. something. And then the gun past your threshold, Rob, they're nearing on 50 podcasts, which means that they're in it for the long haul, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Uh, D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage podcast discussing a wide range of topics with listener interactions. That's, but not art. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is uh, basically uh, D'Angelo and Gary talking to microphones on a recorded audio show. I mean, okay. in fairness, 50 episodes is not very many episodes in the grand scheme. So maybe episode 51 is the art episode. Mm, okay. Yeah, I would not be surprised actually if this week they're like, all right, let's let's get let's talk about this. Gary, really go into length about your love of art. <laughs> sure. Uh this is from Sarah. Who says, uh, did Leo's middle school baseball skills help him in this challenge? Uh no. <laughs> no. Well, I guess the, the question is, did he have skills? <laughs> Hmm. Well, yeah. he said he wasn't good at throwing. I was trying to think, like, do we need to make a list of other things yeah. you're you would be good at in baseball? No. Well, here's the tell here. Uh, when we hear that Leo is a middle school baseball player, yeah. that that you sort of like you reach there's like a Peter principle there of like if he's actually good at baseball, he goes on to become a high school baseball player also. Like, yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think there's anyone who can say I was really good at something when I was 12 and I'm still really good at it now. You know, I don't um, I don't think it, I don't think it transcends puberty. Yeah, it's true. All right. Sandy says, has there been anyone else uh, that blew this seemingly big a lead than Victoria slash Michelle? Oh, yeah. The Atlanta Falcons. Hey, oh, Mike's like sports guy this year. All of a sudden, Listen, I'm Scott. Call me the sports guy. I have to do my job on this podcast. Spot on the cinnamon and sugar podcast. (laughs) Exactly. We're about to like great guys. I don't want to talk about art. I want to talk about sports. Mm hmm. Yeah. Maybe we could get uh, them to come on our podcast and talk about art and we could go on their podcast and talk about sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think like last season, I don't know if this was as big of a lead. I do feel like Brett and Chris really mm-hmm. fell very far last season with the with the finding the coins. Yeah. 
that's a good uh, recent one. You touched on a couple of ones that were uh, from the earlier seasons as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, Scott, do we have anything? Uh, any other questions from the listeners? Jared says, what do we make of the alliance not being as strong with uh, Gary and D'Angelo? Here's my question. Jess, do, do Gary and D'Angelo know? No, no, they're they're in an alliance like their their loyalty to the alliance is nine and everybody else's is like four. So they're sort of like the the Edna Ma to the yes. South Pacific Alliance that is the other four teams. Mm. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, Lorenzo says, uh, in the horse racing thing, how much do you think the other people were trying to win? Mike, did you get a sense that it was ultra competitive? I mean, I think they wanted to certainly make it tougher for the teams, but I also wonder how much skill was involved because it did seem like a fairly tough thing. You know, like you could, I guess, roll it around to try to get it in that, that back hole, but otherwise you're just sort of like throwing the ball and hoping that it ends in that red or blue zone instead of yellow. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's take another question from, uh, Lulu Wands. Uh, there's a supposed five team alliance that has been helping each other during tasks. Do you feel these types of alliances have a place on amazing race? Don't we want to see teams struggle or succeed on their own merit? Uh, can't we save alliances for BBN survivor preach Lulu Wands, but I don't know how you're going to enforce that. I mean, you can't. They're they're racing unless they're all going to race on different days and have it timed. Yes, Mike. they're out there with each other. It affect they affect each other. What if Phil is able to say at the mat? Uh, I just got a call from the CIA, <laughs> the Center for Informing Alliances, and I hear that you are making some major alliances. And then the, the, pit stop, the pit stop creator rips off his mask. Dr. Spencer Reed, criminal minds, you're under arrest. <laughs> For, for collusion. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. We have heard Corey talk about this. We've heard Scott talk about this. Coalitions and alliances have always been a thing on The Amazing Race. For one reason or another, this has taken the narrative center point. We don't know exactly what that means. So to say, like, can we get rid of it? It's it's a part of the amazing race. It just so happens that this particular season, there happens to be a, a group of teams that is sort of taking up narrative space where ordinarily it would be there just under the radar that you wouldn't know about it. Okay. Uh, let's check in with the draft board. Okay. Uh, we've got an update here tonight. Team, uh, was, was it Team Dan took another hit? Or, or no. No, Jasper, you took your you took a hit. I took my first hit. Mike is the only one with his team fully intact yeah. at this point. And you know, he, he's had two people to begin with. So, so yeah, Jess, going back to our actual draft podcast, I do believe that it was Michelle and Victoria and Kaylin and Haley. Oh, yeah, were the the last left on the board. I was going to get whoever you didn't pick. And I was completely resigned. Like, well, I'm down to just carry it, D'Angelo. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was a, they were fighting for last place in our actual draft podcast before they were fighting for last place here in this episode. It's true. And it was, it was a nail biter then and a nail biter now. Yeah. And just opposite outcomes. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, uh, Jess, you want to add about this week's Amazing Race before we come back and reconvene for the Tar Pits? I mean, just about everything else that I have is pretty nonsense, so I'm going to save it for the Tar Pit. Okay, great. All right. Mike, for you? Yeah, we got we got one more chance to talk about stuff, so send in your feedback. Send in any other 
like amazing race adjacent stuff we're gonna get you know secret scenes tomorrow of course we'll have our exit press and we're gonna have a very special guest to join us and i think we're gonna have a lot of fun no matter what and also don't forget i talked about this on the tar pits but we are now going to have double episodes of the amazing race next week and the week after so this is essentially the last one hour episode of the amazing race we got through the month of november Okay. All right. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Here's what else is coming up here on Rob Has a Podcast and our reality TV wrap-ups. Puya is back to talk some 90-day fiancé the other way. He'll talk with Daniel Kennedy. Check that out in our wrap-ups feed. Also, more Puya. The Masked Singer also airs on Wednesday night. Check out Puya and Lee to talk about the uh, latest reveal from The Masked Singer uh, Season 4. Yesterday, I got to chat with uh, Danny Bryson and Tyson Apostle. We talked about how volunteers are needed to check out safety protocols on cruises that are trying to get back in business. Uh, Mike, could you could they entice you to go on a free cruise right now? As a someone who has a fear of open water, you cannot get me to go onto a cruise with or without, you know, any sort of coercion or bribery. I'm not standing foot <laughs> on a boat, no matter how safe or unsafe it is. All right. Well, check that out on the latest episode of News AF. Then, OK, this is a big week on The Bachelorette. Amy and Haley are back to talk about what's going on. There was a changing of the guard. There was a uh, peaceful transfer of power on The Bachelorette this past week. Uh, find out what's going on with Tasha as she takes over as Claire exits. And this was big news. I wanted to catch up and find out exactly what was going on. So I caught up with Amy and Haley earlier tonight, right before this podcast. That is going to be up in the morning. We're going to post my uh, conversation with Amy and Haley as I try to dig in and find out what's going on and get some clarity on this situation on The Bachelorette. Mike is shaking his head no to that. Oh, man. Or Hill and Dale. There was so much controversy happening. I mean, it's really even taking the the world by storm uh, this, this discussion going but I'm excited to hear your opinions on it, Rob. Because I know, especially when it comes to these wrap ups, you always come in hot. And so I'm yes. sure we were even talking before this about how you have a lot of thoughts yes. about the clarification of it all. Yeah, just to be, just to clarify on, clarify on the graphic that uh, Amy and Haley are have they, they're doing their own recap, and then I also had them as a guest on Rob as a podcast proper. Okay, those are two different, those are two different podcast episodes that Amy and Haley are a guest. On Rob as a podcast. Thanks okay. for clearing that up, Rob. Just trying to. Cl- I, I just see trying that to there are two different photos there. Clear that up. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So then, uh, coming. Uh, wow. this is, uh, this, we're a little uh, jumping the gun here uh, with this one. Uh, that, that's going to be uh, check out on uh, Monday. We're going to have some more uh, talking with T Bird. Uh, then last night uh, that we had the debut of a brand new Survivor uh, podcast off season series. Mike, outwit, outplay, outlist. 
Here we are, Rob, the Survivor Offseason podcast. We decided to start the machine back up. And what better way to do it than to go through some of the most miscellaneous but oft-talked-about subjects across 20 years of Survivor. It's sort of like a retrospective on the series so far. We're also doting on some interesting cultural touchstones. And we had a great time with Class of 2020 member Jason Reed as we ranked and rated the product placements that Survivor has put out there over 40 seasons. It was a lot of fun. I highly encourage people checking it out. And I think we're going to have another one in the can uh, pretty soon as well as we're trying to figure out, you know, when and how we want to do this. So it's, it's been a really fun series to debut this week. And I can't wait to do more. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, that's up on YouTube as well. Jess, uh, if we're going to rank the uh, amazing race product placements, uh, besides the top two of uh, Ford motor cars and Travelocity, is there much more? You know, I would have a more fun podcast with this if we did Amazing Race Canada because just mm-hmm. about every single yeah. leg was sponsored by a different company. Yeah. So that's something we could do if we get down to the bottom of the barrel. Uh, yeah. We could certainly go to that well. But honestly, this podcast, I listened to it today. It was hilarious. It was so much fun. And it's so much better when I heard Mike say, Rob and I have cooked up something for the Survivor off season. You we have this up. series of podcasts. I was like, Please tell me they did not just decide to do a different brand steal every week. So this is no, much better. Which is like we, we value yeah. our sanity, Jess, at least slightly so. Yeah, uh, we did do does. a brand steal on Monday night, though. Yeah, um, exactly. Yes, I heard that too. <laughs> yes, we took 16 patrons from Robin's podcast, put them in a brand steal, had them all on a Zoom call, and talked to them all the way through. That's not in our podcast feed, but you can listen to it for free at robinswebsite.com slash patron. If you want to and check that out. you can also, it's a great you know incentive to become a patron patron because there's a chance you'll be able to submit yourself and participate in a future one which went extremely well uh in my opinion it was it was great to have warm bodies in the room to sort of question their <laughs> motives through the artificial intelligence that is determining Boy. their course of the game i don't know when you're talking about warm bodies spencer reed's uh, ears are perking somewhere <laughs> yes, his, along spidey the way. Sense, his uh, spencer sense is tingling <laughs> hmm okay all right uh of course uh, the lfc got back together uh believe it or not uh first time ever in history that the lfc has convened uh, in november to talk about the stock watch and uh wrap up put a bow on the big brother season uh check out uh taryn brent and the voice of the people Melissa Denny. And then check this out. Uh, we have amazing our, race. Yes. Uh, yes. Amazing racer from uh, season 31 of the amazing race. Uh, Nicole Franzel that she sat down with RHAP's own Taryn Armstrong and did a deep dive of her game. Uh, check this out as uh, Nicole Franzel joined uh, Taryn Armstrong for a deep dive into her game. And so, uh, yeah, great job. Great job, Taryn. And great job, Nicole Franzel, sitting down and talking about her game with Taryn. Uh, very exciting to hear. And uh, it's two plus hours with Nicole Franzel. So uh, good job uh, by both of them to put that together. And if you missed the tar pit from this week, still fun. 
Yeah. It's no expiration date. On no, the tar pits. Uh, we, I mean, we had an amazing race winner on in Scott Flannery, who is really fantastic. Uh, he's a great personality on top of being like an amazing race, super duper fan. We found out some interesting tidbits, including uh, what happens when teams land in the final city and particularly who they have to encounter. So there was really a lot of great discussion in there, including some review of some fun uh, watermelon based tweets and clips that were being played. So feel free to check it out. You have, a, you have a, several days until we, uh, convene again with the tar pits for this week all right and then of course uh you can get in on all the fun rob is a website.com slash patron uh that is uh what makes this podcast engine run rob is a website.com slash patron for our patron podcast feed and everything else all right uh thank you so much scott st pierre behind the scenes also uh follow us on social media at rob's podcast on facebook at Rob has a podcast on Twitter and at RHAP Grams on Instagrams where we're always uh, sharing uh, clips from the shows, including this one. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Um, Tell me, Jess, uh, what else do you have going on? I've got two big things going on. Um, I don't podcast with you four days in a row, but sometimes I podcast with Mike four days in a row. Um, it, or at least it feels like four days because we talk so much, but Mike and I are doing, um, That's not an exclusive club of people that podcast with Mike Bloom four days in a row. Yeah. I really don't know why, why I'd brag about that. That seems like I, I have a lot of love to give on the microphone. Mm hmm. That's true. And we shouldn't feel like we're less special just because he does this with everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Mike and I talk about Star Trek Discovery. And yes, we had maybe, yeah, maybe one of the most accomplished and most fascinating from a truly geeky point of view, like from an anthropological standpoint, I think last week's episode, um, and in particular, our recap of it is a really must listen. Um, we had a great time breaking down everything that happened and we are having a lot of fun with this season of disco. And then also, uh, the great Josh Wiggler and Brandon Chappelle and I talk about two walking dead shows, fear the walking dead and walking dead world beyond in a, in a pastiche that we call fear the walking dead world beyond. And I don't believe that watching the show really enhances your enjoyment of the program. So I think you could just dive right in without having seen a minute of any walking dead franchise and still be entertained by what we're serving up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's Josh Wiggler. It's Chappelle. I mean, you don't need to watch the show. Yes. It's true. Okay. It's fantastic. And Mike, how about you? Uh, so the only one left over is uh, Josh Wiggler, another man who gets around on the microphone. He and I are, of course, going down the hatch every week on our Lost Rewatch podcast, talking a uh, left behind, probably the most survivor themed episode of Lost ever as uh, Hurley tries to avoid Sawyer getting voted out of the group or so he thinks. Josh and I have a very, very fun time talking about that episode. So be sure to check that out on Post Show Recaps. Uh, speaking of, you know, two plus hour podcasts that happen every week. So mm-hmm. uh watch out cinnamon and sugar here comes two other guys to talk about probably art as well maybe i'll try to sneak some art chat in this week to see what josh's thoughts are on the finer things 
I also want to give a shout out to our friend uh, David Bloomberg, who has uh, not been feeling well, and uh, we uh, wish him a very uh, speedy recovery as uh, he's been uh, dealing with some challenges here in these uh, last couple of weeks and hope uh, that uh, we get him back on a podcast microphone sometime soon. And Jess, I also wanted to ask you, you know, it's been a a few days uh, since uh, we uh, very sadly lost Alex Trebek. And as the biggest uh, Jeopardy fan, that I know of uh, that I would just, uh, you know, love to hear, uh, you know, any thoughts you had on the passing of Alex Trebek? Well, I mean, obviously it's a big loss for the TV world and Jeopardy has been one of my favorite shows. I think, I don't know if I was a day one watcher, but I was definitely a season one watcher as a very tiny child. And, you know, I fall, I fall in and out of watching it regularly, especially like once you've been on the show, I think Rob, you understand this. Once you've been on a show, you have to take a break from it after you come back. Um, And that was how I felt. But that being said, it was my dream from the time I was about six years old. I said, I want to go on that show. I want to hang out with Alex Trebek. And I got that chance. I was very, very lucky to get that chance um, in 2006. And it was everything I wanted it to be. And he was everything you think he is just mm-hmm. from watching him. Just a, an incredible guy, a consummate professional when it comes to hosting. And I really appreciate him, not just for the endless hours of entertainment he's brought, but for his role in helping to facilitate what was one of the best days of my life and really a dream realized. So I, I am pretty gutted by his loss and I'm definitely going to miss his presence on my TV screen. I mean, I I think it's, I I do not think it is uh, OTT to say how much Alex Trebek's specific like hosting skills have carried over so much, especially during the boom of reality television. I know like Jeff Probst came from Rock and Roll Jeopardy, which obviously leaned a lot upon Alex Trebek's hosting skills. I think it'd be safe to say the way that people like Jeff and Phil and others helm these shows, uh, it would not be the same or the way that Alex approaches things with both a sense of professionalism and a sense of personality. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's been a, a very terrible loss, but also a, a, a time to remember just like how much of an icon he was in and how much of a fixture he was in so many people's homes at seven o'clock each and every night. Yeah. And anybody that knows my backstory knows what a game show nut I was uh, from like a very young age. And I remember uh, watching Jeopardy even when it was on like in the afternoon when I came home from school. So uh, he was a very formative uh, presence in my life as well. Uh, Very sad to uh, see him go. And, you know, uh, you know, it was uh, wonderful that he was able to stay on uh, and host Jeopardy for as long as he was able to uh, as he uh, fought his bout with cancer. Uh, And he will be uh, very greatly uh, missed by all of us. Um, thank you both for uh, you know uh, sharing that also here at the end of the show. Thanks everybody who joined us live. This was a lot of fun to get back on here and do an amazing race recap live. Uh, very fun. And thank you so much, Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. We'll be back with the tar pits coming up. Make sure you subscribe to our amazing race podcast feed. If uh, that's what you would like to have more of, go to Rob's website.com slash T A R podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.